0: Welcome to the Garden Culture podcast hosted by me, Bailey Van Tassel. I'm a self-taught gardener, busy wife and mother, and small business owner on a mission to live a garden-inspired life. Each month we will explore what's going on in the garden and fields, as well as get to know incredible people who infuse their own lives with the magic of the garden. For more information on any techniques, recipes, or ideas mentioned here, please visit us at baileyvantassel.com/podcast. Hello, Miss Leah.
1: Well, hello. How are you doing, Bailey? I'm good. Thank you so
0: much for joining me today. I am so excited to chat with you um, officially because we've had chats in the past and I like didn't want to let you get off the phone.
1: <laughs> <Aww>. <laughs> well, um Phelan was mutual.
0: Um, well, I was really I'm really excited today to hop into a couple things. For one, I am a huge fan of the fact that you're not just an herbalist, but you also garden and you have experience with sort of, we, we've talked about this, like the home gardener trying to access and grow herbs. And I know you do some incredible foraging as well, but I would love to hear in your words, just a little brief bio, kind of who you are, what you do.
1: Okay, let's try to keep this brief. Aren't we all just discovering that at all times? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, two decade herbalist. So over 20 years, I've been studying, constantly practicing, teaching and just living herbalism. If I've never sold another herbal product, I'm still an herbalist. That's who I am. It's the way we live our lives. Um gardener in new gardener to be honest with you i've been a forager and a wild crafter for so long i was just like why would i want to control these things why would i want you know and i moved into a home that had these beautiful raised beds that were just sitting there from this 25 year master organic gardener i just was blessed into this home and i have found some of my greatest peace that i've ever known in that garden and I was, it was love at first sight. And it's where um, my mind gets still Unlike anything I've ever known, honestly, I am, so I'm fairly new-ish to gardening. I'm not new to growing herbs, but um, the gardening has been, its it's been an amazing blessing. And um, I'm a mom, I'm a wife, and we try to just keep as um, deeply rooted, connection deep deeply rooted connections as possible in this home um we're activists for land conservation forest conservation in particular naturalists you name it like we're uh, tree huggers yeah I'm a tree <laughs> hugger there you go
0: <laughs> I love that so much i your passion is palpable like you can feel your passion for what you do like you said even if you never well, and to back up, so you do have um, High Garden Tea, which is kind yes. sort of an herbalist shop, right? You do mm-hmm. tinctures. I love your potions. You have teas. I'm actually um, a fan and customer before we ever got to chatting. Um, some of your blends have been really helpful in my life. And I think as I started gardening, it I kind of blew my mind that like, oh, these, these little dried herbs can actually make a difference in your life.
1: Yeah. Huge. It's interesting. I get people to, um, they've started kind of messaging me and so forth being like, my child has bronchitis. And I mean, obviously I can't say I'm a medical professional or a doctor. That's a whole other episode right there of herbalism yeah. and, and <laughs> medical profession and so forth. But it's sometimes just the simplest thing of like reaching for time and a little bit of mullen and the little green miracles, um, what they can do is just, it's magnificent. And they're empowering instead of just, you know, I would hear people be like, yep, every year I get a sinus infection and I just have to see if I'm going to have to take antibiotics and that I have and I get, um, you can just replace that with empowerment of like, Oh yeah. When I start feeling those symptoms, I start doing a rosemary steam or an oregano steam and I make myself a sage tea or, and, and then it's just like, Oh, I didn't get that infection. And with these Mm -hmm. simple, simple kitchen cabinet or easy to grow herbs can, truly change,
0: change your life. Absolutely. And I think you've done such a beautiful job of describing that. One of the more approachable ways that you've connected with people, I believe, is helping them understand the connection between what you feel and how to treat it with herbs, how to support yourself with herbs, and also Mm -hmm. spread the message of using them over time and not expecting this overnight change. But like you said, sort of being more in touch with how you're feeling, introducing the herbs, staying consistent, and then seeing those big changes.
1: Yeah. Thanks for bringing that up. That's such a key component of herbalism is symptoms aren't something to be masked um symptoms are our friends that's our body Mm. signal saying hey you might want to check this out over here and it's kind of like whoa thanks i wouldn't have known otherwise and so Mm. always kind of looking at these symptoms sometimes they can be a little more confusing than others kind of leading down to a deeper root that's harder to find taking several pathways to get there but um symptoms are our friends and then there's herbs tending to these symptoms, whether it's the mucous membranes, just profusely running or the stomach cramping, different things. There's different herbs that match those, but herbs are not drugs. They do not want to be drugs and they're not to be confused with drugs. They Mm. are living beings that have a multitude of abilities and effects, and they tend to have side benefits instead of side effects. Um, And it's about knowing the herb well enough to know when to match it to this signal that your body is sending out. And they work with your body to correct the issue is why it takes longer. Whereas a drug does something to you. And sometimes you need that, you know, sometimes Mm -hmm. you do need that fast action, but that's whereas a side effect may come in, herbs literally are working with that body system to give it what it needs so that it can better um, do this function to get back to that state of balance and health. So that's why it takes longer. It's you doing it with support.
0: Oh, my gosh. It makes so much sense. And it is really inspiring because I know for myself and um a lot of people, you know, kind of living in the suburbs or the city that haven't experienced anything other than Western medicine and even really sort of a western fast pace of life, it seems crazy that there is support for you. And, like you said, I think it it comes down to sort of reteaching ourselves how to pay attention and get down to the root cause and symptom and then start to feel that empowerment and help yourself and try it out. And like you said, then even see side benefits instead of side effects, which is so beautiful. But I know in motherhood, I think a lot of people start to seek these natural remedies once they have children and they're like, mm-hmm. oh wait, what what am I putting in my kid's body? They think about it so different than themselves and that exploration begins Mm-hmm. and i think it is really as a parent incredible to say to ha- always have somewhere to go that's gentle that's symbiotic that's working with your body to help your kids um instead of just feeling overwhelmed and rushing towards you know the medicine cabinet
1: absolutely and that is i i i can't imagine not having this herbal toolbox that i do and these herbal companions that i do as a mother i absolutely mm-hmm. can't imagine it and that's why we're so i'm so Um, passionate about putting it back into every home because it is so new that there's not herbal knowledge in every home. That is so new. I mean, we're talking 50, 60 years, you know, and, um, And so it's something that just, we kind of have to remember and work with because we tried something out. We tried out, okay, there's these experts that tell us what to do. And there's these magical pills that will fix everything. Let's just lean on that. And we tried it out and part of it worked, part of it didn't, you know, there's no magic in, you know, there's no magical fix all in, in that world right now. And so what we have to find is this beautiful marriage. And what I do try to kind of bring to point is it's not an either or, because sometimes you are met with an herbalist that if you say you went to the doctor, you're like, would you do that for, you know, that's not the case here. The case is knowing when to go to the doctor. Um Like my son has a runny nose and a cold and this and that. I know exactly the herbs to call upon and I know everything's going to be fine. But if it gets to a point that he's at like 105 degree temperature and his nose starts getting blood streaked, the mucus in it, then I'm going to go to the doctor, you know, and so there's this blend of the both. And then another part where herbalism comes in is when we do go to the doctor, And let's say there is a disease, because that's what modern medicine specializes in is disease, not health. Mm
0: -hmm. And so
1: you kind of tend to this disease with, let's say, an antibiotic or something, your body is left as state of almost the opposite of health it is very sick still you've been stripped of your positive bacteria you know or your the good bacteria in your body and so then you're left feeling almost worse than before the disease is gone but you're just weak and sick still and so that's where herbalism also comes back in as finding those herbs that help build you back up like calendula flushes cellular cellular debris from the body that's kind of in the aftermath of having an illness and you're just kind of toxified with all this cellular debris from the virus and the cell death and so forth. And you feel gross and just, uh, and it takes forever to feeling good again, where you can just flush the body with calendula and it helps the lymphatic system move that out faster and return to a state of health and also supporting those tissues. And so it's just this, this dance constantly of, of working with all these things. And another thing that i found in empowerment is, which is funny between the modern medicine and what I call traditional is herbalism. Um, is people, before they know herbalism, they're like, oh, I just don't want to go to the doctor. I don't want to have to do what they tell me to do. (laughs) And once you know herbs, you go to the doctor for a professional opinion. That's an opinion.
0: And then you say, oh,
1: thank you for this diagnosis and this blood work. What would you do? And then I have the herbs of choosing what I may do. And now I have two options. And so I don't feel like I have to do anything. I just choose the best option. And so, yeah, herbalism is, I can't preach enough of how empowering it is and something that we've, we really need to do. We're getting sicker and sicker as a culture and it's not getting better. And the answer is pretty obvious of us returning (laughs) to the earth and to natural and and the food. I mean, you know, as well as I do, we're eating poison on a daily basis and, yeah. um, and toxins and so forth. And so that is really important. And that's where herbs can also come in and help, like doing daily alternative herbs that help the liver to cleanse and the lymphatic system and the kidneys and so forth to help the body support it in that cleansing process. All that to say I just go down a rabbit hole of how wonderful herbs are and how important they are in our daily life. Yes. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, it's so amazing to hear you talk about it and you're so deeply educated. And that is, I think, the, one of the things that draws me to you is how well-educated and articulate you are about medicine in general. And I think people at first glance would be like, oh, herbalist, it seems kind of fluffy compared mm-hmm. to like a doctor. And I don't think so. I mean, I've had conversations with you that are absolutely just as well-informed and astute and you know, medically rich as I would have with my PCP. But it really shook me when you mentioned how new it is that we don't know about herbs and -hmm. that we don't have sort of this herbal apothecary in our homes. And I wanted to ask how that all started for you. Is this something that you were raised with as a kid? Did you grow up in a home that was using herbs? How did the journey begin for you down this path?
1: Yeah, thank you for asking. And I think that's another accessibility piece is I wasn't. Um, I was... Not at all. My, my grandmother would make poke salad. You know, I'm from the South, so I think we might have done some things others might have considered strange, but <laughs> no. Um, I do come from a line of like what people call Celtic cunning folk, and my grandmother and mother had different gifts, um, but mine is specific herbalism. Mine began in disease from age five until, uh, until I finally found an herbalist. I had um, what they thought was chronic urinary tract infections, and it was Awful, And they had me on antibiotics, like daily antibiotics for years and, you know, off and on. And turns out it was interstitial cystitis. But even once I got that diagnosis, there was literally no answer for it. It was still, okay, we have a name. You're welcome. You know, there's Whoa. no answer here. Yeah. And so I just knew. And I don't know how. And that's where I do feel like a piece of that was in my blood. It's in all of our blood because we know who to go back to. And -hmm. that's whose feet we've grown up at. And that's the plants. And I knew to find a plant person and I found an herbalist and she took me under her wing and she slowly taught me. And that's the first relief I'd had in 18 years was just a few simple plants. And so that disease is what led me to herbalism. And at first I just used plants. That's what a lot of people do. You know, I use them. It takes several years past that to where I finally learned to form a relationship with them. And then at mm. that point I understood they could, it creates a larger community for you and it, it almost extends your family. You become connected to the nature that you are through herbs oh, as well.
0: I love that. What were those? So what were those first herbs that you were using to help <laughs> With what how you were going on, how what was going on with you health wise?
1: Yeah, so the interstitial cystitis it's an, infl- an autoimmune condition where the um, basically the bladder lining inflames and ulcerates, mm. and um, feels kind of like level ten urinary tract infection just at any oh, moment, um, the blood, everything. And oh. so marshmallow root was one of the key ones because it is a mucilaginous herb that coats ulcerated and irritated and inflamed tissues to help bring down the inflammation and soothe and so that was just a beautiful tea it was so simple and brought so much relief um corn silk silks out of your corn one of the best urinary system absolutely one of the best urinary system tonics it's that silk that soothing just passes on down to inflamed and irritated bladder tissues and it carries mild antibacterial properties not much but it is so soothing um, and then you can, if you do have, uh, if I did carry a bacterial load from the inflamed tissues, I could add in. Um, there's an herb called Pipsissewa. There's an herb called Uva Ursi. That's where it starts getting a little, um, a little fancier. But yeah, just yeah. little fashioned corn silks would blow your mind. <laughs>
0: oh my word! So once you started developing these relationships with the plants. How did you start to enhance your life in general with them? What did that look like for you?
1: That's probably the biggest question and answer of all. Um, it took away self-induced isolation. Um, mm. That sense of loneliness that you're not quite sure is there and you can't explain that sense of um, fret and feeling a little insecure at the top of this food chain that you're not really yes. sure if you belong there or not. Yeah. And um, once I found companionship in plants and going outside and seeing a pine tree and knowing that, oh, that's a beautiful respiratory tonic if I need to call upon it. Um, And I'm just sitting beside it and breathing in those volatile oils for 15 minutes, enhance my immune system for up to the next 30 days. You know, just starting to see the relationships that exist around you and that there's medicine and companionship and every single thing on this earth carries a purpose. And it's a very very delicate and beautiful web that we're a part of. And so it makes you feel really tiny while huge all Mm. at the same time.
0: I love that. I couldn't agree with you more. And I know that feeling that you're talking about, I myself have gone through a mixture of, you know, sort of my gardening plant journey. And then I would think coupled sort of with like a spiritual journey where I got to a point in my life and I just felt like, I don't want it to just be me, like this humanist sort of, we have all the control, we make all the decisions. Like It can't just be that way. And, and I believe it absolutely is not. Um, and once you get over that hoop, I feel like kind of the second part of your life begins where you, like you said, you feel so much less alone. You, you've got just this whole world, I, I believe, was built to support us like you said that you can call upon. I think that's so beautiful the way you articulated it.
1: It's yeah, and I mean once you do start seeing um the value in a relationship and I mean just learning how an ant colony that's one of the simplest things you can begin is reading is like and it was the cordyceps mushrooms that taught me this is mm. like they are these important they are a whole unit and they have like warrior ants. They have guard ants. They have all these different roles that they play. And a cordyceps mushroom will basically attach to the host ant, to the brain, and become infectious. And it makes the ant go to um, the top of a tree near the near the colony, and it bursts out all these the spores mm-hmm. of that mushroom. So it infects all the other ones. Well, these guard ants are taught to look out for any type of odd behavior among their group and they stand outside the colony. If they see one of these infected ants, they take the ant, they wait to kill it. Sorry, this can get a little odd. No, I love this. They take it it off and they kill the ant far away from the colony. And then they also kill themselves in case they were infected. And it's such a strange story, but it's just like, once you see this, like, deep life all around us it's just like we get to become a part of everything instead of feeling kind of like oh how do we control all this or oh why are we here it's just like oh we're among so many beautiful lives and existences that are everywhere. And the moment that happens, it's kind of like, uh-oh and yay, because yay, it feels huge. And uh-oh, I'm never going to be the same. Like I had to kill him. I didn't have to. I chose to kill a brown recluse that we oh, found yeah. in our home. And I just never voluntarily kill anything because mm-hmm. I've gotten that far. <laughs> and I <laughs> cried. I was just like, I'm so sorry. I don't want to do this. And it like took me 30 minutes to recover from killing this brown recluse. Oh, my but my gosh. Just- it's that way but i mean i'm also never lonely and i never yeah, lack so. for advice i can go sit at the foot of a tree elder and just know that there's 300 years of wisdom setting above me that's communicating with like not in a woo way, literally sending out volatile oils sending information mm-hmm. through the mycological network of what pests they're seeing and so forth and i'm just a part of all that communication and it it's just a lot of a lot of large beauty and miraculous living going on around us at all times.
0: Oh my gosh. Amen. Well, okay. I have so many things I want to cover. And the first one, and just to respond sort of to your words and something I love and have wanted to ask you more about is this, I think, misconception of dangerous herbs.
1: Mm-hmm. And so
0: people I think being really afraid and misunderstanding these sort of general labels that get pushed onto herbs. Or if you just give like an innocent Google search to something, you know, like I I'll find myself like, you know, <laughs> safe herbs for pregnancy, for example. And mm-hmm. you get just so many responses that basically paralyze you into thinking nothing is safe. I'll just drink water. So <laughs> I think you've done a great job. I'd love to hear you talk a little bit more about some of the really common misperceptions people have about herbs that have a bad reputation but really are totally harmless.
1: Oh yes. well, you've got me on my soapbox now Let's do this. <laughs> um, so I love and I love this question. Um first off, I want to start off by you see so many herbs labeled as like toxic herb toxic herb toxic herb and that sounds so scary Mm -hmm. um note first of all toxic and lethal are two very different things Mm -hmm. and so i could count on one hand lethal herbs out there um and you're probably not going to have access to them and toxic usually in its strongest form is going to make you poop or going to make you puke. (laughs) (laughs) Because we literally have grown up at the feet of these plants and our bodies have evolved with them. They have helped us literally stay alive. We have to eat plants to live. Mm -hmm. And so if it's an herb that we're not supposed to take in, then it'll purge out of our system. And it's that simple. And a lot of times, even when you see toxic, it isn't to humans. Most of the time, it's to cattle or grazing animals. That has nothing to do with us. And so there's just a lot of herbs. When you look them up online, you'll see toxic, especially when you're foraging. And just note, the first thing to pay attention to is toxic to what and toxic Mm -hmm. how. Like elderberry. Elderberries are toxic. Right. And it's an emetic. But if you know to dry the herb, it dries out the toxic properties. And so that's just that simple. Um, and then herbs, as far as people being scared of them, you know, Bailey, I'm not quite sure. We just had this discussion in this, in the class that I teach last weekend of why are people so scared of herbs? And we came up with a few ideas. Um, one is most of the people living here today did not grow up on this land. Um, mm. And so we did not, The first of all, when the people came over here, the herbalists didn't come. The herbalists say in my Celtic tradition, you know, they were going through massacres and so forth. There would be a massacre of the Celtic tradition, like I said, and the people that escaped, the lot lords and everything, they took their healers with them. And it's the people that were just escaping that were coming here that had maybe a handful. They were the home. They had their home plant wisdom.
0: Right.
1: And when they got here, they didn't know these plants. And so we didn't have herbalists come here. And then the herbalists that were here were the indigenous folks and they were at risk of dying. If, you know, once at a certain point, once we used up their wisdom you know and oh, anyway. so and so that there went all of that except onto the ones that held on to it deeply and held it sacred thank goodness they did and then when herbal, herbalism did rise back up it was through like the Thomsonians and eclectics but it was in an attempt it was called the botanic movement okay. and it was in an attempt to compete with modern medicine that during that time was basically bleeding people or giving them opium. So it was, <laughs> oh my God. modern medicine was not not really doing great at that point. And so the botanic movement came up and showed a ton of promise because they were working with plants, but they were working with it in a way to compete with modern medicine. So they stripped all the spirit out of it and the connection to plants. And it was a group of experts that only knew how to work with these plants in a certain way. So it still wasn't, for the people. Mm-hmm. And so that's where I think kind of the com- competition with modern medicine is as well as it's not for everyone, you know? And if they're, sometimes the experts don't want people to feel comfortable working with plants. And so fear is a really easy tactic to keep from that, because if the experts are no longer the experts, then what's their job What's their, how do they make money? You know?
0: Oh my gosh. Well, that will put me on my soapbox talk about big pharma. (laughs) Um,
1: Let's not go there. And so that's another one, big pharma. I mean, and even the FDA, like, and then herbalists aren't going to speak up and say, Hey, these are safe because we are constantly as herbalists at any moment they're ready to send us to jail as a drug dealer. No kidding, oh um, as a drug dealer. And so if anything comes up that we have caused or that can even ref- look like we caused it, I mean, honest to goodness, someone came into my shop in our apothecary and said that one of my teas was making them have rectal bleeding. And it was wildly healthy. It was like the most benign gentle herbs in the world. And I was like, what? Oh my gosh, let's talk through this. And so they were sure it was my tea. And we talked, 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 asked if their diet changed, you know, eventually. And they were like, well, yeah, I'm on a beet cleanse. And I was oh, like, my can word. you tell me again what your stool looks like? It was the beets. They were on a beet cleanse. But <laughs> instead of thinking about the beets they were only eating, the first thing they looked at was what? The herbal tea.
0: Oh, my so, goodness.
1: It's just herbs are herbs are meant to work with us. There is no need to fear them. The only thing where people kind of maybe there's a certain like home herbalism things. And I'd love to talk about maybe some of my five ones to grow and kitchen yes. cabinet herbs that you can feel comfortable with. But it does get into not a fear-based thing or base, the risk you run is it's just not working because you right. do have to be trained a little bit in which herb to pick. Right. And when it's time to change from that herb and that is some mm-hmm. training. And so it's not that you need to fear them. It's just like, you might be wasting your money.
0: <laughs> well, and that was, I have, I I took a note on that and I do, I want to come back around to what you advise, like what are the most approachable, like five herbs to grow in the garden. Yeah. But you did mention something that I took note of. I wanted to loop back to is uncovering the real symptoms. And I think it goes right in alignment with what you're saying, which is getting to know I believe it begins with getting to know yourself, like really getting to know yourself. And I actually love that herbalism goes hand in hand with that because I think we just deeply need that as a society. Um, But what are some of your tips for that, uncovering what the really root cause is or what the actual symptoms are?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. Um, It's complex, but it's beautiful. Um, The first thing is truly paying attention to the symptoms as a friend so that you can mm-hmm. look at them and not have just that disgust or covering them up, like really tuning in to what does hurt? What does feel strange? You know, like what does health even feel like? Have you gotten so far from it that you don't even recognize what are symptoms anymore and just accept them as daily life, you know? Yeah. Um, and so just really looking at that, you need to look at every single body system That might not even make sense like when you're thinking about mental health it's crazy how much gut health ties into that and liver health and heart health and so looking at every single system just going down through everything and being like where am i what state are each of these in and then it's also a matter of um before adding anything in my main thing is what can you take away if anything And so sometimes we're just so taught to like add, 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 buy, buy, buy. That is not herbalism. Um, If it's maybe a stressful something in your life, take that away. If you're drinking daily Mountain Dew or or Sundrop (laughs) or whatever, Sprite, whatever it is that's your daily drink, like, can we try taking that away? You know, things that, you know, may not be your most balancing and healthy choices take and not everything. I think that's another place where people can get discouraged is trying to do everything at once. I'm going to do this cleanse and I'm going to take everything and I'm going to get nine hours of sleep. And then you just, and then it's almost impossible. So then you feel like a failure and you go back, you know, take yeah. one thing away at a time. Medications, to be honest with you, I teach a class and I teach pharmacists and doctors and nurses. And I was speaking no, with yes. a pharmacist this weekend and at two medications, you have a likely drug drug interaction. At about mm-hmm. four, you're pretty much guaranteed a drug-drug interaction. Do you know how many people are on four medications? Oh, my gosh. Exactly. And so there is a drug-drug interaction going on. And I'm not saying to just stop the drug, but have a real strong talk with your doctor of, hey, do I really need all of these? And if mm-hmm. not, we need to make a plan and make it fast because I don't know what drug-drug interaction I'm having, but I'm pretty sure I'm having one. Oh <laughs> you know, gosh.
0: It actually blows my mind how, like you said, how many people are on multiple pharmaceutical drugs at once? I think and even myself, I know I have like hypothyroid, and these things kind of stack up and it becomes a part of your life, and you're just kind of told like, just do this, and then you're fine. And, um, I think it's so beautiful the way you describe, you know, just gently investigating what's really going on and one step get back at a to time saying which is what you, saying, is, what you recommend the home gardeners grow that are accessible and useful?
1: Oh, yeah. Um, So it's kind of like... You can either look at it as kind of kitchen cabinet herbalism because yes. um, I do recognize a lot of um, maybe your listeners. Some of the people that I work with, they don't have yards. They barely have a balcony, you know, yeah. and those so things that can be grown in a pot are important to look at. And if you're lucky enough to have a garden, you can absolutely grow in a garden. And if not, it's certainly a dried herb that you can have in your kitchen cabinet. Then you might already have. And so the first one is time, believe it or not, Good old fashioned time, and it is important to have a high quality time. Some of the stuff at the grocery store is pretty weak, so mm. do kind of splurge on a um, either growing it yourself in a pot or whatever, and then drying it. You know, just um, you can look up how to dry herbs; it's so simple. And then you have this beautiful fresh or this dried time just waiting, or fresh. It's antibacterial, antiviral, and antifungal, all in this beautiful herb. There's a reason that we started working with it as a seasoning. It preserved food. It helped stop mm-hmm. the growth of bacteria on it when they didn't have good preservation methods or refrigeration. And so, I mean, there's a reason thyme, sage, rosemary, oregano are common uh, seasonings because they do stop the growth of these bacterias. And, and so, I think it's
0: important though, sorry to cut you off, to mention, yeah. I think people let those spices or and herbs sit in their cabinets for years and you really oh, yes. want to seek out as fresh as possible, high quality as possible.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. And because it loses, after about a year, it's lost a lot of potency, mm-hmm. a lot. And that's hoping you got a good one at first. Um, if you have to buy online, if you can't dry your own or buy from a local Little, you know, we have some of these herbs online. You can find them through lots of herbalists. Frontier Co-op has, they have a nice organic um, spice selection that are really affordable. Okay. And it's just an online. And so thyme, I kind of reach for it when it's a cough. Okay. So, and this is great for children. You can make a concentrated thyme tea and mix it with honey. And you have like this little thyme honey, or if they will drink tea, a little bit of time. But anytime there's a cough, it's taking these antibacterial properties. It's expectorant. It helps to pull up that junk that may need to come up. It's antiviral. Um, So it's just a lovely cough supportive tea. Whereas if you're looking in your cabinet or in your garden, sage, garden Mm. sage, it's also antibacterial, antiviral, but I kind of lean towards sage when it's of the sinuses, when there's a Mm. sinus condition going on. And so it is drying to excess mucus and it also tightens and tones those boggy or swollen sinus tissues. Um, And it's also probably my go number one go-to for a sore throat. If it's as Mm. an adult, I will say, or you could do a sage honey, but um, this isn't delicious. That's why I say adult. (laughs) But If you make a salt water, hot, salty water, a cup of it, and do a pinch of clove in there, all this coming from just your cabinet, and then make a sage tea bag or put it in an infuser about a tablespoon and a little 12 ounce cup and let that steep in there for a long, maybe 20 minutes, this gargle will, I mean, I've seen it work wonders on these most swollen, pitiful, sorest of throats and just gargle (laughs) with that. And it is powerful, powerful, powerful. Um, And so that's just a natural little home remedy that's sitting in your garden or in your chest. And then there's one that I don't know if a lot of people grow, but catnip. Mm. Catnip for children is something I reach to all the time. Um, It's wonderful. It makes a delicious little tea with a little bit of honey in it. When they have a cold, a flu, a virus, it is so gentle and it's so wonderful for a children's cold. You can add a little bit of mint, even a little bit of thyme or sage, depending on if you're seeing their condition being more in the lungs or in the sinuses. But it's also really my, Son was born with digestive issues and catnip tea for any type of stomach spasming, tummy aches, tummy bugs, anything catnip. There's a reason it was known for baby, you know, colic in infants. It is so soothing to the digestive system and even moves on. And it's also calming. So, you know, they don't feel good and they're achy. This is also gently calming. Um, And then even adults with like nervous stomachs, and I I could move that back to kids who get nervous going to school or something where they get home and their tummy's kind of nervous, but adults with nervous stomachs and they're kind of feeling that digestive distress or any type of tummy spasms, um, that can be really lovely. And one I would probably go ahead and get in your chest. I don't know if you grow it or not, get it in your garden or get it in your herb chest would be mullen, M-U-L-L-E-I-N, because there aren't a lot of herbs that can kind of just go across any cough. All coughs are very different. There's wet coughs, there's dry coughs, there's hot coughs, there's cold coughs, and different Mm -hmm. herbs match different coughs. If I had to pick one herb besides elecampane, pain, but that doesn't taste quite as gentle, <laughs> um, <laughs> mullein is not only soothing to the respiratory tract as a demulcent, but it's also a powerful expectorant to make sure that everything comes up as needed and can pull some pretty, pretty intense sputum from the lungs from adults or children. And it's fairly, fairly gentle tasting and it's just something to have on hand.
0: Wow, that's amazing. Those are I'm actually going to the nursery today and I'm gonna stock up on catnip. Yes um, immediately. But okay, my my that's thank you for sharing those, because that is brilliant. And I really don't think people are looking at time and sage in this way. And I just feel like they're really underutilized by the layman. Um, but my last question too, and you mentioned elderberry is building a strong foundation and building an immune system. Even if you have tips that transcend just herbs, what do you do for your family as the sort of gunky winter season comes on? How are you supporting everyone to be at optimal health before anything happens?
1: Hmm, That's a great question. And I have to backtrack. I'm so sorry. I almost forgot the number one thing I love to do with thyme and sage and oregano or any of those herbs is a sinus steam. This should be in every mom's pocket. (laughs) Okay. If there are any sinus issues, sinus congestion specifically, you put like a tablespoon of these dried herbs in a bowl and pour boiled water over it. And that steam that's rising out is an antibacterial steam. And so that goes up into the sinus tissues and runs out all of this junk and gum to prevent sinus infections. And to also open up the sinuses, you can put a towel over the back of the head okay. and really trap it in like a, a steam, depending on the child's age, you might want to watch them with the hot water. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so yeah, we're all, as the moms are like, you're going to put bold water in my kid's face over it. What? <laughs> <laughs> but I um, sometimes just have a, a cup, uh, like yeah. a mug for my three-year-old and I'll put the herbs in there and put the hot water in it and just kind of have the mug near him and just kind of like wave it at his face. But I hold yeah, it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. <laughs> um- but as adults, we certainly want to put that tent over the back of the head and breathe in for about five minutes and do that daily. If you're battling sinus issues, it is a miracle worker in preventing infections and to open up the sinuses.
0: No, that's brilliant it, because I'm seeing even right now, I mean, I have kids in school just today. Everyone's getting the sniffles. I saw yes. everyone in class with the nose run and it's just coming. So
1: this Absolutely. Is very it's very Yes. And do know the sniffles respond very well to sage because it's dry. Okay. Drying. And so sage is a lovely, like infusing honeys or the tea, but sage is nice and drying to post nasal drip and the sniffles. Amazing. Um, and so to build my family's immunity going into cold and flu season, what a wonderful question. Um and that is a thing about herbs where I do have to elaborate that herbs are not drugs is herbs do not work alone. They work with good sleep. They work with Mm -hmm. low stress. They work with good diet. It is literally a whole lifestyle um, change because again, like I said, herbs work with your body. If your body is too broken down, then it's going to take a lot longer for those herbs to be able to help you because they're going to be working on even deeper levels than just those symptoms. Um, And so it is about really Noting that we're going into that season, making sure that we're getting plenty of rest. Um, Elderberry syrup is nice or elderberry tea. It's super simple to make. Um, Astragalus is probably my favorite immune amphoteric. And an immune amphoteric means that it helps to... Strengthen the immune reservoir so that when it meets a challenge, your macrophages and neutrophils, everything is ready. All these cells are ready to be like, nope, not this body, bam, knock it out. <laughs> and so, <laughs> but it also doesn't overstimulate it to what could lead to like allergies and autoimmune and so forth. Mm, okay. Um, and so, it's a beautiful balancer. Astragalus is probably my favorite immune system balancer that you'd take a tincture, drop one dropper full of a tincture daily. Super simple. Okay. Um, and then it's about not letting stuff drag on too long. The moment my I don't wait on my child to get sick to start giving him something. I wait and see that my child is playing with a kid with a runny nose. And when he comes home that night, I'm going to offer him some little bit of thyme honey or some an extra bump of a tincture or a little mm-hmm. extra elderberry or something to give that immune system that extra boost that it mm-hmm. might need. And I'm going to make sure that he gets to bed a little bit early that night. If we can sleep in somehow that weekend, we do, you know, just really tuning in To everything that's going on and the season of things. And we are a society that um, productivity is praised Mm -hmm. and the busier you are, the more successful and the more you're living life. But that's just not the case. And we are facing new viral challenges that our systems are having a really hard time figuring out. Like this isn't all going away and we need to have Be in deep consideration of our bodies that are fighting something very new and we need to love on them as much as possible. And there isn't anything much more considerate than laying down and having a movie night as a family and just resting because movie night is medicine or Mm -hmm. all laying up and reading a book in a tent, just like whatever can be the most restful and together that's medicine too.
0: I love that. I could not love that more. Mm -hmm. Um, And on that note, I just want to thank you again for sharing your genius with us. I Mm -hmm. look up to you and admire what you do so, so much. And I just can't, anything I can do to support the mission you're on, I will. It's just what we need, what the world needs. And so thank you for sharing your wisdom with all of us. I just, I can't thank you enough.
1: Thank you so much for having me. And and yeah, we just... We're happy to be here. I guess our big mission is we save as many forests as we can. So do know every package of High Garden Tea that you buy, 50 cents goes straight toward a forest savings account. And we preserve and purchase forests and allow them to be, to just be a forest.
0: (laughs) Yes. And tell us, yeah, where can everybody find you online and on social media?
1: Oh, yeah. We're um, highgardentea.com. And that's the whole purpose of my product line is to basically... It can be overwhelming, the herbal journey, and so I've I've made everyone an herbal apothecary if they mm-hmm. want to put it in their home. You know, while you're yeah. studying, but we're also teaching all along the way. You don't have I don't want people to be reliant on my products, or I don't want to be anyone's expert. I want to be a walking stick on their journey. Um, but while you're learning, we've got some very well developed um, blends that I'm absolutely proud of every single one. And it was ten years of being in a shop and people coming in being like, "I need some help with blank," and so that's mm-hmm. why we have so many blends. And then on Instagram, we're just at High Garden Tea, and I try to do a lot of teaching on there. And um, this old lady uh, got on TikTok, and I'm also at <laughs> High Garden Tea on there as well. <laughs> um, and that's and we have a podcast, sipping teas and hugging trees.
0: Oh, it's so perfect. And
1: it's all the plant and animal love. And so far that's, that's about it. That's <laughs> Or you can find perfect. me in the woods.
0: <laughs> I love that. I don't careful what you wish for because <laughs> I'm coming out there.
1: Oh. Um,
0: well, thank you so much. I hope you have a beautiful day and I look forward to chatting with you soon.
1: Thank you. Have a good one.
0: I hope this episode has been balm for the soul and inspiration for the heart. I would love if you left a review to let me know your thoughts or anything you're interested in learning. And I'm so grateful that you found this space. For more information on any techniques, recipes, or ideas mentioned, visit us at
1: baileyvantassel.com/podcast.